I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is Your Peak Daily for Tuesday, October 4th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance and tech, all in less than seven minutes. So Jay, I woke up to some really concerning news this morning. I, I woke up, I opened my Twitter feed, and actually I'm off Twitter right now, Jay, but I, I didn't open it up, I can't, I'm not sure why. And I saw that the SEC posted that they fined Kim Kardashian about $1.26 million, and they barred her from crypto advertising for three years after promoting a token while failing to disclose that she was paid to do it. First of all, I'll say this, I hope that we wish more celebrities would get banned from doing crypto ads. So I wouldn't have to see Matt Damon or Tom Brady talking about the latest fad. What do you think about the penalty though, Jay? Is that enough? My guess is it's not. I'd have to see the trajectory of the coin that she was hawking because yeah. my guess is she probably made a lot more than 1.26 million and the fine is probably a small fraction of it. So small price to pay is my guess for Kim Kardashian's SEC fine, as is often the case. I don't exactly know how it happened, Jay, because it's not like it was a coin called Ethermax, which is like a real scam. Not that I'm like, you know, not, this is not investment advice, of course, but it's not like it's not like a normal thing. It wasn't Tom Brady promoting FTX, a multi-billion dollar company. It was like a real random coin. And so I don't think we're going to see a lot more of this because the guys who are working with big companies, they've got lawyers, finance teams. So they do all those those they check all the all the issues, potential issues. So anyways, I was surprised that she did this in the first place because it, it just seemed out of left field. But hey, that's that's how this stuff works. Well, it'd be nice to write a fine, a check to a fine for a fine for 1.26 million, which I I guarantee is probably a small price to pay yeah. for Kim Kardashian and her promotion of what do you say, Ethermax? Is that what it's called? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Well, the fine probably lasts longer than the actual company. Brett, aside from Kim Kardashian's SEC fines, what do we have for Peak Pals today? So for our first story, Francois Legault wins another majority government in Quebec. For our second story, Credit Suisse, they're in some trouble. And for our last story, brands, they have too much product, Jay. For our first story, Francois Legault will stay in power as Quebec's premier as his center-right nationalist CAC party secured a majority government in a cakewalk. Now that the easy part is over, on to the hard stuff, continuing to govern the province. Yeah, it really is the hardest part, Jay. It's, it's easy to win. It's tough to govern. Now, despite campaign blunders resulting in apologies for insensitive remarks, the CAC built enough support through its savvy handling of the pandemic. Savvy, that's controversial. But savvy handling of the pandemic to clinch the win. <laughs> Quebec's GDP has outperformed the national average since the start of the pandemic. It has the lowest unemployment rate of Canada's four biggest provinces, and its debt is comparatively low. But not everything is so easy peasy in La Belle Provence, Jane. Legault has a long list of issues to address in his second term. Sitting at the top of his leger are labor shortages, particularly those stoked by retirements. Quebecers accounted for over 23% of all Canadian retirements this last year, resulting in the country's second highest job vacancy rate. But congratulations to us Quebecers who are going <laughs> off into their golden years. There's, there's also this issue of new language laws, Jay, which Legault refuses to budge on. Bill 96 has led to criticism for the economic damage it could cause Quebec businesses and worsening the aforementioned labor shortage by stifling immigration to Quebec. The green transition, which is one of the hottest election topics, Quebec has promised to reduce emissions by 37.5% below 1990 levels by 2030, but experts point out the goal is somehow both out of reach and not ambitious enough. It's that weird in between, Jay. Here's the bottom line. Quebec is part of Canada, at least for now, and has the country's second largest GDP. Its long-term health is good for the long-term health of all of Canada, so we hope and we wish Premier Lego luck.
For our second story, whether you're a regular person or a large Swiss bank, you know that things have gone really south when you're left with no other option but to change your name. That's always a bad sign, which may end up as the plan for Credit Suisse as the bank lurches from one crisis to another. Jay, that's pretty serious that Credit Suisse is in such trouble that they need to change their name. What are they actually facing? Credit Suisse saw a gauge of its credit risk rise to a record high while its stock hit record lows, raising doubt about its financial stability. Now, the cost of five-year credit default swap, CDS, for the bank has jumped over five times since January. And this is like insurance that protects investors against potential defaults by financial institutions. It's a pretty big deal. Yeah, CDS has played a key role in the 2007-2008 credit crisis since banks could not pay out the insurance to investors protected against defaults across the housing market. Now, according to experts, these CDS levels alone are cause for alarm and are driven, at least for now, by broader investor caution. But that didn't stop people from stirring up some online drama. In a since-deleted tweet, ABC reporter David Taylor caused waves after writing that a credible source tells me a major international investment bank is on the brink. But prominent figures like Saba Capital Management's Boaz Weinstein were quick to point out that Morgan Stanley's CDS was twice as wide in 2011 and 2012. But these levels do show the bank's creditworthiness is being called into question in today's risk-averse market and imply a 23% chance of default on its bonds within five years. Now, unlike a situation the Deutsche Bank faced in 2016, Credit Suisse's one-year swaps are still much cheaper than five-year ones, meaning investors think it's unlikely to default in the near term. And here's why it matters, Brett. Credit Suisse is one of the largest banks in the world, about the size of BMO in total assets, and one of the most important banking institutions in Europe, which means the pressure is on to regain investors' trust after a recent past of crisis and scandal. Now, the bank has struggled to shake a reputation of prioritizing financial results at any cost, along with its association with Bulgarian drug smugglers and Russian oligarchs. Great company. Yeah, it's really the company you want to keep. Next, the bank's plan is due at the end of the month, which may include selling its Latin American wealth management arm and changing the name of some investment banking units. I'm just trying to brainstorm what names they can change it to. <laughs> Who knows? The Bank of Switzerland? How about know. Credit Suisse? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're just Swiss. In the meantime, the bank's new CEO, Ulrich Corner has been sending out weekly memos to calm employees and the markets, but they just seem to be sparking more doubts. Yes. For the last story, from Nike to Walmart to Canadian Tire, retailers and brands have more merch than they know what to do with as inventories bulge while consumers cut down on their spending. So dropping the news, Trans-Pacific shipping rates have fallen 75% from this time last year as retailers cancel orders en masse as they struggle to sell the products they already have. Many inventories are overstuffed as companies ordered excessive amounts earlier in the year when international shipping ports were log jammed in order to get ahead. Now, Canadian retail sales fell by 2.5% in July, their first drop in seven months. The volume of goods sold also fell by 2%, the largest drop outside of a recession or the pandemic since 1998. Aside from gas, consumer spending on furniture and clothing is where sales fell the most. Exactly stuff that retailers stocked up on because they sold so well earlier in their pandemic. Now, next, retailers will be forced to resort to strategies to offload the excess goods, including markdowns, telling them to off-price retailers or liquidators, or using the quote-unquote pack-and-hold method, putting stuff in storage and waiting till next year to put it on shelves. And here's why it all matters, Brett. On one hand, on the one hand, backed up inventories mean more potential deals for all you bargain hunters out there. However, stuffed storage has broader macro consequences. 
And really the bottom line here, Jay, is that loaded inventories, they won't cause a recession, but they could be yet another warning sign of one looming. Hey pals, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. If you've got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a glowing review. Please do. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. And as always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode. Thank you, Dale. And thank you, Brett and Brett. Gamar Khatima Tova. Have an easy fast, Jay.